Welcome to Faith and Science. I'm Dr. John Ashton. Of course, in our education system today, we are confronted with the huge time frames of millions of years, billions of years for the age of the universe, for the age of life on Earth. And in the past, this has certainly worried um, a number of Christians and um, different um, people have come up with um, different explanations to try and harmonise the so-called claimed billions of years with um, the uh, Bible account, of course, which you know clearly points to the earth only being thousands of years old, uh, in fact, close to about 6,000 years old. And, you know, people, I guess, uh, as, I've, as I've explained before, uh, when we look at these uh, radiometric dating uh, methods and this sort of thing, they're, they're just based on chemical analysis of um, uh, particular isotopes um, in, in rocks. And from then on, it's based on unproven theories, and you know, I, I worked at the as the chief chemist uh, for for many years of a, a NATA registered laboratory. So we were a laboratory that was um, uh, our uh, results were accredited and certified by the National Association of Testing Authorities in Australia, and that meant that we had to use methods that had been validated. Um, and those methods were validated by using uh, known samples, samples where the analysis was known, and the methods were checked to get the right answer. And we need to understand that uh, these you know, long-age dates haven't, haven't been validated. The same with the um, ages of the, the universe and this sort of thing. We, we have a number of theories there that are based on different calculations, but they're all based on, on theories really that, again, haven't been validated, haven't been proven. And there's a, a lot of questions as I've, I've raised in some of the earlier talks. And I'd encourage people to just scroll back down. If you're on the internet, remember you can re-listen to these programs by going to just googling uh, 3ABN Australia or one word dot org dot au and uh, click on the listen button go to faith and science and then scroll down through the programs and I've addressed these um, issues in in the past um, one of the obvious ones is for example with the um, the age of the the earth is that when people start to ascribe hundreds of millions of years and billions of years to these rock layers, um, we're faced with massive erosion problems there. And I think people have failed to comprehend the um, extent that erosion changes the topology of the earth, um, the surface of the of the earth. And um, it's... You know, and these uh, changes can occur very rapid, and they can be very severe. And if the Earth was that old, we wouldn't, in my view, see the structures preserved the way they have been. Uh, and again, I've talked with uh, about this in uh, some of these earlier episodes of Faith and Science. But this is a very important factor. Erosion rates more or less totally contradict. 
um, the possibility of the of the long ages. But nonetheless, um, Christians have uh, come up uh, and people have have attempted to harmonise with science um, and tried to harmonise the Bible with science. We need to understand again as well that how science works is that um, you know scientists make observations and they have this data there, but then it is as is interpreted. And we know that. Um, our mind, our thoughts are, are non-material and these can be certainly influenced by the, the worldview that, um, that we have. And uh, that's why many, you know, secular people, you know, push back. And unfortunately, many people fail, uh, turn away from their faith in the, in the Bible, thinking that science has disproved the Bible. But in actual fact, remember, it's very important to, to understand that uh, I know so many science, top scientists that believe in the, in the Bible and understand it. And they've looked at the evidence. And when we look at the evidence, um, it, it falls down in, in terms of um, we have so much evidence for the supernatural. We have so much evidence for answers to prayer. We have so much answers for evidence for the benefit of, of Christianity in, in the world that is true true Christianity based on love your neighbour and on forgiveness, the principles that Jesus taught. Uh, not necessarily what particular churches teach, but what the Bible teaches is, um, is true true Christianity. And uh, we, we see the benefits of this uh, in society, that it really works. We see the, the evidence of providence in, in history, um, uh, you know, down, down through history and how God has preserved the knowledge of his word. And this is, um, you know, very important that the evidence for our faith is very strong. We don't have to compromise with science. But one of the theories that people have come up with, unfortunately, to attempt to uh, compromise, to reach a compromise, thinking that, you know, the, these long ages are, are real, um, is the gap theory. Now, the gap theory or the ruin construction theory aims to fit the alleged millions of years of the Earth and the universe history um, into a so-called gap between the first and second verses of Genesis 1. If we read in verse 1 of um, Genesis, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the Spirit of God was moving over the face of the waters. That's verse 2. And then it goes on, uh, verse 3, and God said, let there be light, and there was light, and so forth. So uh, there's a postulates that there's a gap between, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, verse 1, and verse 2, the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. Now, I read an excellent article on this uh, by Dr. Jonathan Safati, and I... Um, uh, right, um, you know, I, f I feel um, uh, a certain bond um, with Jonathan because um, he's a, a chemist as well. Um, his PhD in in chemistry, uh, but he is also a very strong uh, creationist and and has a far greater knowledge of of Hebrew 
and these issues than I have. He he certainly has a um, a, 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 a very superior intellect. Um, he he's an amazing chess player with an amazing memory, and I found his article very interesting. And so I'd like to um, share this uh, with you. It was called "The Gap Theory: Why It Fails on All Counts." And he goes on to point out that this theory did not arise from contemplation from Scripture but was an attempt to harmonise the Genesis account with the belief in long ages. And it came only after secular thinkers started to promote the belief that the world was very old. Um, And so the most common form of this theory was that God originally created a perfect world But then in this supposed gap, Satan fell. God judged the world by a catastrophe which formed most of the fossils. And so the gapists translate Genesis 1 and 2 as the earth became, uh, Genesis chapter 1 verse 2, as the earth became formless and void. Um, And then um, the six days of creation become a recreation of this fallen world. But uh, Dr. Safati uh, points out this fails on a number of grounds. So the the gap theory was totally motivated to fit in with uniform uniformitarian geology, um, but really it, um, it it doesn't. And uniform geologists reject the idea of any global flood, whether it's uh, Noah's flood or the Gappus Lucifer flood, and so. Um, this Lucifer's flood is an imaginary flood. Um, also, it postulates the fall of Satan in the existence of evil, death and suffering and disease in a world God afterwards declared very good um, in Genesis one thirty one. And so Adam and Eve would have been standing on a graveyard of fossils showing death, bloodshed and cancer. Hardly very good. So we can see that the theory just you know, basically contradicts Scripture. So it's it's really makes no sense to have a a theory that is supposedly harmonising science with scripture that contradicts scripture. Um, the gap theory also contradicts the Sabbath command of Exodus uh, chapter twenty verses eight to eleven, which is based on the creation of the heavens and earth and the sea and everything in them in six ordinary days. So if we look at the uh, Ten Commandments in Exodus uh, 20, um, verses 8 to 11, it reads, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your manservant or your maidservant or your cattle or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth the sea and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Now, this is uh, quite important, uh, really, in that the, wherever the words heaven or heavens and earth are co-joined, it is actually a figure of speech called a merism, uh, as Jonathan, uh, doc, uh, Dr. Jonathan Safadi explains in which two opposites are combined into an all-encompassing single concept. And um, he points out that an English example would be, is open day and night. This doesn't simply mean during sunlight and darkness, but not at dusk. 
rather than day and night means the whole 24-hour day-night cycle. Other examples are far and near, hill and vale, high and low. And so throughout the Bible and a number of texts, you'll, uh, there are references to God being the creator of heaven and earth, like Genesis 14 verse 19 um, and also in uh, chapter 14 verse 22, um, in Second Kings chapter 19 verse 15, um, in Psalms 121 verse 2. And so here, these verses point out that God is the creator of heaven and earth. This is the totality of creation, not just the earth and its atmosphere or solar system alone. Uh, it is used because Hebrew has no word for the universe and can at best say the all. So this is um, very I- important to understand that these, uh, this usage uh, is a Hebrew term for the universe. Now, Dr. Safati goes on to explain that the words tohu and bohu, which are translated without form and void in Genesis 1-2, are claimed by the Gappas to indicate a, a judgmental destruction rather than something in progress of being built. Um, but uh, Dr. Safatu points out that but tohu occurs several times in the Bible in which it is used in a morally neutral state, describing something unfinished and confused, but not necessarily evil. Um, and also Hebrew scholars in the church have for centuries taken the view that Genesis 1-2 is not a scene of judgment or an evil state created by the fall of angels, but a description of the original undeveloped state of the universe. And that makes a whole lot of sense. The plain and simple meaning of what Moses says is that on the first day there was a mass covered by water with no dry land involving uh, in, and, and with no dry land and involving features unformed and no inhabitants unfilled. And unfortunately, some people have uh, misused the text in Jeremiah 4.23 um, to teach the gap theory because it uses uh, the phrase tohu vabohu to describe the results of a judgment. And one of the leading gap theorists, Arthur, Arthur Custos, uses this fact to assert that without form and void must mean laid waste by judgment. But um, Dr. Safatu um, points out this is fallacious. There's nothing in the Hebrew word tohuva bohu themselves to suggest that. The only reason they refer to being laid waste is due to the context in which the words are found. If you read those, uh, that section in Jeremiah, you get that context. They simply mean unformed and unfilled. And this state can be due to either nothing else having been created or something, uh, some created things being removed. Now, the context of Jeremiah 4 is a prophecy of the Babylonian sacking of Jerusalem, not creation. And that's very, very plain. In fact, Jeremiah 4.23 is known as a literary allusion to Genesis 1.2. The judgment would be so severe that it would leave the final state as empty as the world before God created anything. In other words, what he's talking about is that the destruction of the Jerusalem would be so severe as a result of the Babylonian attack. 
And um, Dr. Safadi used an analogy. He says, when I open my work computer, my document screen is blank. But if I delete an entire document, the screen would likewise be blank. So blank means free from any text. In some contexts, the lack of text is because I haven't written anything. In others, it's due to a deletion of text. You would need to know the context to tell which. You couldn't tell from the word blank itself. However, the gappers type analysis of the word might conclude since blank can refer to a screen with all the text deleted, the word blank itself signifies a text deletion event, even when none is stated. So you can get the point there. Just because it can apply to something being deleted, it doesn't mean that it um, does. It's interesting that... um, For example, the flood took the world back to its condition on day two before the land and water had separated. And furthermore, the gappist argument actually violates the principle of God's progressive creation in Scripture. And this is a very important point to understand. Um, I know a little bit about this, but obviously Dr. Safati knows uh, quite a bit more because he points out later texts presuppose the prior revelation of earlier texts, not vice versa. Therefore, Jeremiah 4.23 cannot be used to interpret Genesis 1.2 as a judgment. That would be completely back to front because an illusion works only one way. And that's a very, very important point. Genesis um, was written way before Jeremiah. It was written by Moses uh, way, way, you know, hundreds of years before Jeremiah. And um, so this is a very important point there and and an important failure of this attempt to um, reinterpret Scripture. Other things is we need to remember some very important texts that that, um, uh, Jesus um, said too. Um, I'd like to uh, read one of these texts. And this is uh, a very important um, rebuttal of the... Uh, gap theory comes from uh, Jesus because uh, Jesus said that people were there from the beginning of creation, not after billions of years uh, gap from the beginning. And so if we have a look at um, Mark, um, uh, reading from the book of Mark, chapter 10, verses 4 to 6, uh, Jesus said, And they said, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of divorce to put her away. But Jesus said to him, for your hardness of heart, he wrote you this commandment. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. So this is, you know, and and he goes on, uh, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. And so quite clearly, We see here, as Jesus said, from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. That's a a very important point. Another thing is to um, the English word replenish in the King James uh, translation of Genesis 1.28, where it says, And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth again, does not support the gap theory as Gappus claims. Um, As um, the uh, linguist Dr. Charles Taylor um, explains, um, when it was translated in 1611, 
replenish was merely a parallel to fill, and the prefix re didn't mean again, but completely. So it meant completely fill. So the same Hebrew word male is used in Genesis 1, uh, 22, and, and is there translated fill the seas. So there was no need to translate it differently in verse 28. So these are some important technical points, again, that refute the gap theory. You know, um, Dr. Safadi points out that top professors of Hebrew at world-class universities are in agreement that Genesis is teaching straightforward historical narrative about the creation of everything in six earth rotation days with no gap thousands of years ago and a subsequent global flood, though they don't usually believe the history of Genesis, there is no doubt for them about what it says. In other words, when we look at the Bible, the Bible's very clear about what it says, so some people might not believe it, but what the Bible says can't be twisted really to support the gap theory. So, again, the uh, majority of believers, um, you know, since the time of Christ, understood uh, the text to be saying that there was a literal six-day creation only thousands of years ago. And this, were, uh, this was the dominant view um, until philosophies about long ages became popular. Um, but... Like virtually all the other attempts to harmonise long ages with Genesis, the gap theory puts death and suffering before the fall and the curse. But again, it hasn't even the slightest basis in the Hebrew of Genesis. So again, we can't get that actually from the Hebrew. In fact, it seriously violates the tenets of historical grammatical um, exegesis or understanding of the text. It was never actually thought of from the Bible. Uh, that whole gap theory actually arose due to the pressure from outside secular views. And it actually fails to satisfy the proponents of those anti-God views anyway. So it's really a very, very missy um, theory. And it's just um, it just reeks of, of compromise and really, in my view, undermines the gospel. Uh, there are other um, similar theories, uh, such as um, the day-age theory, and and that is that you know all the different days in in Genesis were some really long period of time, um, you know perhaps millions of years. But again, the whole day-age theory falls down to on the basis of ecology, how you need the support systems. And the structure of creation is actually brilliant. Um, and it fits the, the science. You have light, you have land, you have atmosphere being created, then you have the, the, the plants. Um, and of course, the, we know the plants convert carbon dioxide in the atmosphere into the starches, but they need sunlight to do this. So on day four, the sunlight's created. And then, of course, the, um, the animals and so forth to uh, uh, create on the next couple of days all the little creepy crawly things um, that are important for pollination of the plants and the nitrogen cycle and all these sort of things. So the whole concept of ecology fits. Um, 
Also, the evidence for the flood. I was taking my um, uh, grandchildren for a walk uh, around Swansea Heads um, in Lake Macquarie um, to show them some of the fossilised uh, tree trunks and trees that are uh, buried there uh, in the rock shelf, uh, and you can see these. Um, and there's coal seams nearby as well. And you can see how these, um, you know, the, the, the tree stumps are, are vertical um, they've, and they've been bar- buried. And also in the cliff face, as you walk around the cliff, you can see quite uh, severely bent layers, multiple layers um, of sediment that have been quite uh, severely folded. And again, this has to have happened. These structures have to have formed when that rock was soft and pliable, not as rock. So, you know, the the evidence is just before our eyes for the global flood that uh, fits the, the picture there. And when we look at, uh, we've uh, just recently in our weather here, um, had massive storms. And I was walking another beach with uh, friends over the weekend and we saw the massive amount of erosion that has taken place. Um, there's headlines on the news uh, just recently how uh, a number of um, waterfront, uh, oceanfront properties are under threat because of massive erosion of the, of the beaches. Um, and so, again, this evidence is just in front of us that the Earth isn't millions of years old. Life on Earth isn't millions of years old. It's relatively quite young, and we have you know so much evidence that supports that now. The decline in the Earth's magnetic field is declining so rapidly. We we can measure that. We can measure that here now today. If we extrapolate back, the Earth's magnetic field would have been so strong the heat generated would not have permitted you know, life on Earth. Um, there's so many uh, factors that point to um, a young Earth that fit the measurements that we can make here and now today. Um, and this is the evidence. We, we don't have to compromise Scripture. Scripture is real. And the reality is that we all die, and we know that. Um, and the picture is, though, that God doesn't want us to die eternally. And God had a plan that Jesus, God himself, came and died so that God may resurrect us um, perfect, without evil tendencies, on the day that he returns, that we might live with him forever. And that's, that's the promise, and that's, that's, that's the gospel that's offered to everyone. Um, and that's why it's so important that this message get out. That's the message of the Bible, that if we choose to turn from evil, if we choose to follow God's ways, follow the simple Ten Commandments there in Exodus chapter 20, if we want that and um, that lifestyle, God offers us eternal life. And that's a, um, a truly amazing offer. Um, and the thing is that in that time when we are recreated, we will have time with God, the creator of the universe, the creator of all these amazing flowers, plants, and saw a beautiful little, tiny little flower, frog, green frog the other day, just a centimetre long, hopping around on um, some uh, sweet potato uh, leaves. So there's some amazing creation out there. 
So remember, um, you've been listening to Faith and Science. If you want to re-listen to these programs, just Google 3ABN Australia or one word, .org.au and click on the listen button. And remember to share the links with your social media friends too. I'm Dr. John Ashton. Have a great day. You've been listening to a production of 3ABN Australia Radio. 